Um, good. Yeah. Welcome aboard, Dan. It's good to have you here, man, on this podcast. I've been really looking forward to this one. Um, want to hear a little bit about your background and uh, why don't you start by maybe just introducing yourself and telling us where you're from? Yeah, sure. Great. Uh, my name is Dan Doyle. I'm the chief people officer here at Bell's. Uh, been here for 33 years, so I'm sure we'll talk a little bit uh, more about that. Um, I grew up actually in a really tiny town in Wisconsin, and uh, that's where the whole story starts. So, uh, you know, a long way away, and, uh, you know, it's good to be here in Florida. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, Wisconsin, so small town. Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, in 66 years, I've never lost a bet with anybody that I came from a smaller town than they did. So okay. there's actually fewer people in our building or fewer people in my town uh, wow. than there were in our building. So uh, 335 people wow. when I left uh, the town to go to college. And uh, today they changed the sign to 500 because they were tired of changing it back and forth. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, but it is one of those little tiny, um, maybe iconic little Midwest towns for awesome. sure. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So wh uh, you, where'd you go to college? Uh, University of Wisconsin. Okay. And, uh, you know, I couldn't wait to get out of the little town. Now probably I couldn't wait to get back just to be there. But, you know, I wanted to go explore the world. Awesome. And what'd you yeah. do after college? Yeah, after college, um, I actually wanted to go uh, into uh, federal law enforcement, like uh, the FBI, for instance, and uh, wasn't old enough to do it. Uh, there was a 24 age uh, threshold at that point. So I decided that I would get some experience uh, in the investigative field. I didn't want to do local law enforcement. So I actually went out and found a company that did private investigations. I thought it would be lots of fun. I thought it would be an adventure. And uh, it was all of that. And uh, so I did that for a number of years. Okay. All yeah. right. Yeah. You got to tell us a couple of stories. Maybe okay. Real quick. Yeah. What? I got. Uh, I got a number of really great <laughs> stories. So uh, let me say that it was an absolutely fantastic job for a 21, 22-year-old that, you know, didn't really have any fear. And, you know, it's like, send me anywhere. I don't have any ties. You know, I can just go do whatever you want me to do. So uh, a couple of stories that actually come to mind uh, that are my favorites is... Uh, we got a client who was a uh, a couple whose son was at college and uh, he disappeared. Uh, they hadn't heard from him for, you know, like six weeks or something like that. They were obviously very worried about him. And of course, remember, this is 1981. Mm -hmm. So there's no internet or no social media. And it's pretty hard to find somebody at the time compared to now. Yep. So um, they had one credit card receipt that was for a place in South Texas, and that's kind of where we started. The uh, good news about this case is this kid drove a uh, robin-egged blue car. And uh, so easy to spot if you saw it. We had a feeling that he still had his car. So um, I went down to South Texas where we thought he might be, and I started looking for him for days and days and days. And honestly, it was um, no car, kind of futile. I couldn't find the car. And uh, every day I'd see this uh, helicopter ride thing there. And one day it occurred to me that, boy, if I was in that helicopter, maybe I can spot the uh, car a whole lot better. So I went and rented this helicopter. 
uh, obviously not to fly it, mm -hmm. uh, but as the passenger. And uh, we flew up and down the town for a couple of hours. And interestingly enough, we found the car. Wow. Okay. And uh, so I went and staked out the car and, uh, you know, didn't, didn't find the guy, didn't find the guy, but somebody talked to me because they saw me looking at the car. I told them I was looking for this kid. And they said, oh, he's a dishwasher over at this restaurant on the beach. Um, I went over, walked into the kitchen, you know, grabbed the guy and said, hey, you got to come talk to me. Sat him down and explained to him that his parents were, you know, really distraught about the fact that he was gone and they wanted him to come home. And they kind of knew that maybe he had a drug problem. So, um, you know, he said, look, I, I owe these people all this money for drugs. And uh, if I go back and don't pay them, they're going to beat me up or worse or kill me. And um, I convinced him to uh, go back home to his parents, uh, brought him back home to his parents. We all sat down and uh, they got the money together. And uh, me and this kid went and paid these people off uh, for his drug deal. Nice. And, Did you uh, take a cut? I didn't take a cut. <laughs> and it uh, turns out that, um, you know, the people... Did you take eat... some drugs? <laughs> no, no, not at, not at okay. that point. Okay. Uh, I'm still yeah. trying to get into the FBI. Got it. <laughs> right, right, right. right. But, yeah. um, you know, the, the drug dealers, you know, you kind of have it in your mind that they're these big thugs. Well, they were just a bunch of, a couple of other little wimpy college kids. So it wasn't really like big dangerous thing you know gotcha. they just wanted their money but he was scared to death they were going to do something really bad to him so it was um it was a case where it was really nice to uh, unite um this kid back with his parents so um that was that was pretty rewarding actually nice um they were until he died of an overdose <laughs> yeah, yeah they were pleasantly surprised that we found him because they, they didn't think we were going to find him okay okay honestly. gotcha so um Another really interesting case was um, there's a um, consulate for a Middle Eastern country that uh, has people from the royal family come over and go to college. Okay. And uh, we were hired occasionally to follow some of these people around to see what they're doing. And in this particular case, um, one of the girls from Middle Eastern girl had ran away from college with a white guy, which is you know, frowned upon in their culture. And uh, they were off hiding. This was, again, you know, a case where we had to find somebody. And we ended up finding her, and she was working in a restaurant as a waitress, uh, trying to hide from her family. Mm -hmm. And so I started just frequent frequenting the restaurant, I befriended her. And uh, while all this was going on, there were people at the restaurant that were trying to uh, protect her. Um, they got suspicious of me, started doing some background on me, even though we had an alias. Uh, they figured out what I was doing, and they called me up at the hotel and threatened me and said, we know who you are. And anyway, um, this girl's family came in and uh, flew in from somewhere with a jet one night and uh, scooped her up and, you know, took her away. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Uh, okay. And, and so um, that was... Um, that was very interesting. Uh, we did a number of, uh, at that point in time, wiretapping was pretty unsophisticated. So we had some uh, equipment that now that I laugh about it, that I think, you know, was kind of like playing a transistor radio and then checking the frequencies to right. see if you would pick up the noise. So 
we did a number of cases where we actually found wiretaps in one case from a, a political candidate uh, in his house, and I ended up testifying in court on that. So and, you, you, how did you go about finding the wires? Um, so my boss at this time was an ex-FBI agent, and he had some experience in um, anti-eavesdropping technology. So whatever I know, he taught me. And uh, he had, like I said, some equipment, although not you know, great by today's standards. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, literally for the most part, it was going into his house and just kind of turning everything upside down. And in this case, they had actually run a, run a wire and drilled a hole into the side of his house by his living room. And wow. they were listening to, to his stuff. Can you say what he was so, running for? Yeah. He was running for like a county commissioner, uh, in a town in Texas. Okay. okay. Yeah. And why would somebody wanted to tap his county commissioner? You know, bad politics. Uh, yeah. they were trying to see what his strategy was yeah. and, uh, you know, what, uh, it's like, you know, Michigan steel and plays what they were up to. Yeah. Well, yeah. in the case of Michigan steel and the plays, uh, you know, hopefully that helps them, but, yeah. uh, you yeah. know, if, if they're doing that, they should be gone. Of course, yeah. I'm a Wisconsin fan, so anything to get rid of Michigan, right, I'm okay right, with. Right. Thank you for the quarterback, by the way. Yeah. Graham, Graham right. he's, yeah. yeah, man. Well, he's, good he's better for you than he was for us. Absolutely. So we're happy to get, happy to get him. <laughs> right, to right, 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 right. Yeah. Any other, what, what was the most danger that you felt like you were in um, as, as an FBI? Um, I, not as an FBI, but yeah, as no, a in, um, private investigator. I had a gun pulled on me. I had a knife fell to my neck uh, one time. Um, so that was probably the worst of it, but same time, different time, uh, different times. Wow. And, uh, you know, didn't get shot, didn't get stabbed. So, you know, those were a little squirrely. And I, if I can tell one more story yeah, and this, this to me was, um, a case that stuck with me. Um, there was a guy that, um, had a long air force career, uh, never had a, Ticket never did anything wrong in his life, never made anybody mad, like 25, 30 years in the Air Force, was stationed in Alaska, um, retired to a little town, bought a house with his wife. It was just him and his wife, and he was living out his retirement, and uh, this guy moved in next door who was a kind of a rowdy, partier guy, and they got in a feud over this other guy's dog's. And uh, it, you know, make a long story short, it escalated. And uh, one night, this mild-mannered Air Force vet uh, got in a verbal shouting match with him. He walked in his house, walked around the fence, and shot the guy six times. Wow. Just took his gun and, you know. So we were hired to do background on this and, you know, do background on the guy that caused the trouble. And, you know, but the takeaway from it is, you know, it's this is just two neighbors living next door to each other. And it got to the point where, you know, the guy actually killed him over something really stupid. And uh, he went to jail for the rest of his life. Wow. And so, uh, you know, the incivility that happens for something really stupid was, you know, it stuck with me just how crazy that situation was. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, crazy. Okay, so yeah, so an incredible upbringing. Nothing you would want to do while you had kids, obviously. I mean, an incredible uh, early 20s, I guess. Yeah, the reason that I stopped, well, there's a couple reasons, and one actually takes me into the retail world, uh, which I can tell you, but uh, it was was not a life that you'd want to have to have any kind of a relationship. Through it, I had a couple of girlfriends, and they're like, "Uh, where are you? And, you know, I'm gone for a month, and so it never really kind of worked. Right, but right. the time it was fun. Yeah, was a yeah. Middle Eastern girl one of them? Or no, no? no? Okay. Uh, as much as I tried, because <laughs> she's probably the richest girl I've ever been around. <laughs> right, right, right. right. Yeah, it's funny. Um, okay, so um, so then what what happened? So then you you well, worked together. I actually did an undercover case, okay. um, which actually most of this work was undercover. But um, I did an undercover case in a retail store, mm-hmm. and uh, was working in the men's department as a sales associate because they had a theft ring, and uh, I caught a whole bunch of people stealing stuff. You know. It was, honestly, pretty easy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Worked in the men's department for like a month. And uh, I ended up getting offered a job. Um, You know, the company was Lord and Taylor. I mean, you know, my background. And uh, so I went to work for them as a security manager. And that was my, you know, that led me into the retail business. Nice. And of course, uh, you know, I guess once I got there, I was hooked. So I've I've been in it ever since. A little bit safer, I guess. uh, Definitely a lot safer. But I was not in this business long. And of course, again, 1985, I guess at this time, 84, 85. And we were making shoplifting cases like, you know, was going on at that period of time. And it was uh, the end of the day, I was ready to go home. And I actually was standing at the jewelry department talking to somebody. And this guy came up, pushed the... um, the jewelry clerk down and reached into the case and grabbed all the gold jewelry that was in the case. And so I was, I was five feet away from him. He just didn't realize who I was. So I chased him out the door. I chased him across the parking lot, um, through the, um, five o'clock traffic, which was, it was a packed intersection. We ran through the cars and, uh, he picked up a two by four at one point and was with nails in it. And he was trying to hit me and, Anyway, there was a hospital across the street, and this guy ran into the door of the hospital, and now there's a hospital security guard, and we're both chasing him. And this is, for me, the movie scene. He's running down the hallway of the hospital, knocking over carts with drugs on him and pushing people out of the way. He runs up the stairway onto the roof of the hospital. It's a two-, three-story hospital, not real tall, So we corner him on the roof, and so we're like, okay, come on, you know, we got you, and he jumps Mm. Uh, off the roof. I'm like, oh, this this just turned out to be a really bad thing. So we go over and we look on on over the roof, and, you know, now there's police there because people have called. So the guy's fine. He lands on some grass and, you know, maybe hurt his leg, but he's fine. He rolls over, and he starts going, I don't know why these guys are chasing me. You know, I have no idea. And so, of course, he has nothing on him. And so the police are like, what are you guys doing? Well, when he jumped, there was a dumpster uh, over to the side, Uh and he threw all the stuff in the dumpster. So we ended up having to go through the dumpster and finding all of it. Okay. So the next day, you know, for the jewelry company, I was their hero. For the department store company, 
I was about this close to getting fired. And by today's standards, probably should have been. Right. You know, I, I, it, it caused a great mess. And today's uh, standards, you'd have been put in jail for the rest of your life. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, the, you know, the hospital never said a word about it. It was, okay. you know, so, you know, I, Ended up with a $35,000 shoplifting case, wow. which kind of made the year stats. But, uh, you know, in retrospect, it was um, probably not the smartest thing to do. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, and rules have changed, obviously, since then. Yeah, rules and the environment, all of that. But uh, anyway, that would, you know... That was uh, kind of one one place into the start of uh, my career, understanding how things work in department stores. Very cool. Right? Very cool. In retail. Yep. Okay. Nice. Yeah. So, so yeah. And you joined Bell's then in 1990. Yes, sir. Yes. Yep. So we were a, a young company back then. We were uh, just 75 years old back yeah. then. <laughs> <laughs> right. A little bit uh, older than me. Yeah. 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 But I'm curious. Kind of. You know, it was um, much smaller of a business back then in the early 90s. It, it really experienced a lot of growth in the 90s and 2000s and whatnot. But kind of curious to hear. I think the audience would be curious to hear your take on what the business was like back then. What the leaders were like. You know, what the environment, the culture. Yeah. That sort of thing. Sure. Um, 60, I don't remember, 65 stores, something like that. Okay. The outlet had just started uh, three years prior. So um, was it, it called the outlet? It was Bell's Outlet. Yeah, um, right, but 87, yeah. Maybe, um, I don't know, eight stores, something like that. The rest were Bell's department stores, the mm -hmm. traditional company. So um, it was a... Um, um, much more of a casual company at, at that point, uh, much more, as you said, a smaller company, uh, far less formalized, far less rules. But, you know, it was it, for me, it was really kind of trying to find its way. You know, everybody dressed in a suit and a tie and the woman wore dresses. So it was it was more formal in that way. But, um, you know, not a lot of structure. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, people were doing lots of jobs and, uh, you know, a lot of multitasking and a, right. a lot of people have wore a lot of hats. Right. Um, so, um, you know, great, great experience. Although coming from a big, huge million, uh, million square foot department store in downtown Chicago, it was massive culture shock. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. What was it like? I mean, what were, well, uh, so your first, do you remember your first couple of months on the job and, and sort of what, what that was like? Yeah. And, you know, um, I, I interviewed with your dad um, okay. and uh, Steve Nopik, who was the CFO at the time when I came. And then the guy that actually got a hold of me was a guy by the name of Chuck Driscoll, who was kind of like the COO. Um, didn't last a whole lot longer after that. He was gone relatively soon. Uh, but, uh, you know, your dad said, you know, hey, we've got some thrift, some <laughs> excuse me, some theft problems and, uh, you know, like you to come, you know, try and, and clean all that up. There was a, a bit of a little, uh, LP department before that, that, uh, Chris Collins was running and, you know, they were doing an okay job, but they, um, there was a lawsuit that happened. And, um, so, you know, we just, again, you know, your dad recognized that, uh, he needed to, formalize some things and and get some expertise in some areas that he didn't have before okay yeah i want to yeah. stay on um when you uh when you took over loss prevention and, and you kind of you know started to to 
to um, make 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 headway within that business. But when did you uh, head on over to Human Resources? What year was that? Oh, it was uh, a fair amount of time after that, like twelve years later. Okay, so like yeah. like two thousand two or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. exactly. Okay. So, um, and yeah, well, we can talk about that in a little bit, but. Uh, Clearly, there was shoplifting cases going on around the company, and that's really where the focus had been. And uh, my uh, history with uh, the department store chains I had worked for prior was really more uh, from an internal investigation point of view. And, of course, at that point, you know, it was kind of recognized that internal theft was worse of a problem for more companies than the external piece of it. So... Um, I was actually, um, you know, in a meeting with a number of district managers that were here at the time, and they, uh, I've laughed about this with them over the years, and they, um, they scolded me and said, uh, you know, I don't understand why you're here, you know, we don't, we're a family company, we don't have this problem, we trust everybody, we don't hire thieves, and, you know, I said, you know, if you're right, then my time here will be short. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and if you're not, then, you know, hopefully I can point it out to you and we can fix it together. And so, um, you know, to, to fast forward it a little bit, within uh, three, four months, um, we put in an exception reporting system. And again, by today's standards, uh, it was, you know, very simplistic. It just you know, pointed out for us um, re return uh, velocity and, you know, the exception reporting on it. And uh, I got a, right away a massive hit on one of the stores. And by the way, the, you know, the store managers at that time were people that everybody knew. And, uh, you know, all the store managers were a big deal because they were running the stores and they were, you know, like everybody's like, hey, so-and-so's running the store that's making us all this money. So um, they were held in, you know, really high mm -hmm. regard. So this exception report popped on um, one of these store managers, and it turned out— Can you say the he, store location? Uh, it was in St. Petersburg. Okay. And uh, he was writing, you know, massive amounts of fraudulent refunds okay. um, under different names, but— I still have this in a file in my office. One of the names that he was using, he he got down the road so far that he couldn't come up with fake names anymore. <laughs> so he was using the name Rob Stores. Wow. Uh, as First one, name Rob, last name Stores. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Rob Stores as okay. one of the people that, that <laughs> okay. was coming back. So it took returning. a genius like you to come on board and figure out that we were being stolen from. Hey, so... <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, but but that was really the turning point with uh, a, a you know some other people to go. Eh, you know, maybe maybe yeah. there is a, a problem, and you yeah. know, so that was just kind of the start of that first couple of years of a lot of cases, and uh, you know, in, you're in, industry wise, is it about a fifty fifty split between internal and external cases? I mean, it depends on the the the, the retailer and I, I think it's really the balance has changed from back then i would have told you back then that it was probably 60 40 um internal was 60 now i i think because of all the controls that are in place and all the technology and and of course what's happening out there in the industry with external theft that uh it's actually flipped the other way 60 40 the 60 40 um 
external internal. more external now yeah. than, than there is internal because yeah. mm -hmm. you know there's so many uh, audit functions now and cameras and exception reporting just right. harder to do it internally right right yeah, yeah it's harder to um, yeah it's harder to commit crimes now than it was when you were a uh, private investigator as well <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah true yeah true yeah yeah there's a lot of great tools now that we didn't have then right right yeah I mean basically all we had was a you know a rotary telephone right yeah. Right. Okay. So, um, so yeah, you, 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 uh, you found Rob stores. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, um, I, I guess probably, you know, going back to your dad, you know, I, I was kind of, you know, running the wild west here a little bit where that was concerned. And, uh, we, we were putting in cameras in some stores and, you know, kind of full out arresting the shoplifters. And, uh, there was, a. There was a case where there was a local, um, probably well-to-do person, well, well-to-do family without mentioning any names, uh, here in Bradenton, whose wife got caught uh, at our West Bradenton store shoplifting, and they hired a local attorney who actually went to school with your dad. He went to high school with your dad, and yeah. he came and said, hey, Bob, you know, this woman's innocent, and you know, she wouldn't have done this. And, you know, they've got plenty of money, all the old rationalizations for why people sure. shoplift that, that are innocent who are guilty. Sure. And so he called me in his office and said, Hey, t tell me about this case. And, uh, I, I was scared because I'm like, you know, this, this is where this is going to go bad because, you know, he's going to take the side of the, you know, of the other people and not take the risk on this thing. And so I told him about the case and he said, okay, I've got to meet with this lawyer and, you know, I'm, I'm going to hear their side of it. And so the next day he called me and said, okay, you know, go ahead and prosecute the lady. Yeah, of course. And, uh, you know, so that's for me was like, okay, you know, I know he's got my back yep. now. Yep. And um, that was that was always the case with him. And, you know, hopefully that was the case where he knew he could trust me mm -hmm. as well that we weren't going to screw it up. Right, right. Or at least we didn't screw that one up. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, one thing he always told me, or he's mentioned it several times, he didn't always tell me, he's mentioned it several times, was that I trust people until they give me a reason not to trust them. Yeah. And I always thought that was, you know, it's, it's a good, it's really good advice. I, I think it is, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, we had a buyer that actually shoplifted from us that we had to terminate a couple of years ago. Somebody that I was friends with, somebody that, that was, um, um, you know, in the kids' area for for what was Bell's Outlet back then. And um yeah, it's amazing. I mean, totally fine, you know, financially no issues at all, but just, you know, decided she wanted to steal a bunch of clothes and went into one of our stores and walked out with them. It's it's amazing the the uh the nerve that that um that people have to um uh to steal when they think they won't get caught. Yeah, it's I've I've seen plenty of it over the years and you know, sat on the other side of the table with telling people that they don't have a job anymore right. over that and uh there's been some you know, gut wrenching situations that, uh, you know, just like, well, here's the bad news. Right. You know, and probably shouldn't have stolen. <laughs> there was a, there was a case going way back where, um, we used to sell stamps at the front desk and, um, somebody had stolen like two or three stamps. And with this conversation about it's two or three stamps. So it was your dad actually said, well, you should talk to them about it. Um, Turned out that on that particular day, um, that person had actually stolen like 
$2,000 worth of gold jewelry because we had jewelry samples. Wow. Um, so that conversation over the three stamps uh-huh. turned into, well, I've got all this gold in my car. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, uh, from that day. So, you know, there's a, there's a message there if you'll steal stamps, yep. you know, probably the other stuff might follow as well. Yep. Unfortunately. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. If uh, there's smoke, there's fire, I guess. Yeah. Not, not as it relates to this incense burner. We can't get that thing to work, but, um, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 Anything yeah. else that you'd like to share about your, the, um, early time in your LP career that, that might be interesting for the audience? No, I, well, it, you know, it was great fun, but, um, one of the things that I recognized here is I, I always kind of considered myself a student of human behavior and, uh, we didn't have an HR department either. Right. So, uh, at least on the investigative side of it, um, I kind of started doing some of the stuff by default. Mm-hmm. And so the more I did it, the more I became interested in it. And, you know, so kind of a mutual conversation of, you know, why don't you start taking over some of these HR functions? Um, your dad was never a big fan of recruiters, you know, and right. I don't actually, I don't think he was a big fan of HR, maybe from his, uh, it's just extra it, overhead, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> right? Just so, like loss prevention. So it's exactly what he said to me. He goes, I'm going to let you run HR. He goes, but don't turn it into this yeah. big red tape. Right. Don't ad, hire anybody. Administ- <laughs> you can run it. Just don't hire ad, anybody. Administrative yeah. function. <laughs> and, uh, so it was, you know, it was compliance oriented for a long time. That's really kind of all we did was make sure we didn't get sued. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, and, and I think we did a decent job at that. Yeah. But the times changed, the laws changed and the environment changed and we needed more. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, my, I'd say my dad and grandfather were always pretty good judges of getting the right people on the right seats on the bus. Yeah. It was something that they've always been, they've always, um, you know, been interested in and cared about and been very thoughtful about. With you, as we know from your life languages, uh, you are a uh, strong responder. It's true. And so strong responders are fantastic fits for human resources. So you know, we didn't know you were a strong responder until I guess two, two years yeah. ago until we took that test. But but maybe they did. They probably did. In some yeah. sort of yeah. a way. In some kind of a way, they knew that you'd yeah. be a great fit for human resources. And and so you've been there for 21 years now, I guess, so, right? Yeah, around terms, so right there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So a little bit more safe in that area, a little bit, um, you know. Yeah, I, but, you know, the investigative side of it, I, I miss from an LP point of view, but yeah. HR has its own investigative realm. And so I always kind of feel myself drawn into those mysteries of, you know, who, who did it and why they did it and getting to the truth, hopefully. And, you know, that's to me always kind of the end goal is, you know, getting to the truth and, uh, you know, figuring it out what happened. Yep. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, you've asked me several times if you could have loss prevention back. I've got loss prevention reporting to me now, so I, I can tell that you missed that that component of the business. It's but it's really okay. I've I've yeah. told them, uh, you know, I had dinner with some of those guys the other night, and yeah. you know, I you, you can get back into it real easily for sure. And uh, but uh, I I think HR has far more of an impact on the company yep, uh, yep. than LP does. No offense to my okay. LP brethren, okay, but, yep. uh, you know, I think I, HR is something that's, uh, you know, uh, ab- able to touch more areas and, you know, it's just, I feel good about the people side of the business. And yeah. uh, Unless and, you didn't have a, unless you didn't have loss prevention, then 
you know, that could, then then I think you'd, you'd see how many dollars it actually impacts the company by. Well, that's true. Yeah. That, that's true. Actually, yeah. actually. Get back to the uh, 1990 when, when uh, you know, people were stealing from us left and right. Yeah. You know, uh, it's funny. Prior to that, uh, we had a polygrapher. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know that or not, but uh, we had a full-time polygrapher that polygraphed everybody every year. Is that normal back then? It, it was. Okay. And um, I have you ever taken a polygraph? I have not. I'd like so, to at some point because there's some things that that uh, that are true that that nobody I'm sure would believe unless I took a polygraph. Yeah, we so. can we can hook you up to the yeah, box. Yeah, that would be fun. Do we still have one? I don't know. I don't think so. Let's I don't, get one. You know, there's a machine upstairs that I. I, I don't know where Bill got it, but I but I maybe it still works. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a polygrapher. Um, I've been on the other side of it multiple okay. times. Okay. Um, can't say it's an experience that I ever enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know they were a little bit unreliable. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, hence, nobody's using them anymore. the 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 real magic of the uh, polygraph was not the machine, it was the polygrapher. Right. And getting people to admit to things, um, you know, without actually having the, you know, the response from the from the machine. Gotcha. Those right. those were the good polygraphers. But sure. uh, you know, this is this is, I'm gonna tell one of my secrets here is the uh, what I inherited was all of the polygraphers' records. Uh, when I came here. So, you know, I was able to go through and there were some tidbits in there of people going, well, you know, I might've borrowed some money from the company. Yeah. And, but we were a tiny company at that point. And, you know, so I think borrowing money was borrowing, you know, mm -hmm. maybe it was an IOU in the safe that turned into, I never paid it back. But, uh, you know, that, that was just one of the growing pains of it turning from a small company into a, uh, you know, a, a larger organization. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So, so yeah, tell me a little bit about, uh, the, the culture like what was, you know, uh, my dad, my grandfather, I know my dad d despised, um, theft, of course. You <laughs> he, <know? did. laughs> he, he really had zero, yeah. zero tolerance. Right, I, right. I mean, even, prosecute everyone, <laughs> children, even, what it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, even I, that's a stretch, but you know, no, I mean, no, no. Yeah. Even, even yeah. me a couple of times, I'm like, yeah, maybe we you should stole eat. something. No, I, uh, I'd, I'd say, you know, maybe we should do something different on this case. Yeah. And he'd go, uh, nope, yeah. absolutely. You know, right, right, right. Send him to jail. Yeah. He took it very personally. Yeah. So, yeah. but it, it's his money. So I get that. Yeah. Sort of, but yeah, you know, yeah. so, um, your, your, um, your dad and your grandfather, uh, to me, you know, I, I never saw your dad get mad. I uh, didn't either. One time actually, one time. Yeah. Funny story. Um, I think I was talking back to my mom and, um, yeah, he, it was the only time in my life and I had a friend over and he, he's, he grabbed me and he, he, uh, he's like, don't talk back to your mother. And that was, that was it. That was the only time that he's ever gotten uh, upset at me. I think he was trying to set an example that it wasn't the wild west in front of my friend or something like that. I don't know. I was maybe eight <laughs> years old or something like that. But that was the one time in my entire life that I've seen the guy get mad. The and, and even now, you know, as he struggles with Alzheimer's and, uh, you know, losing his, his, uh, functionality and his, his mind. And a lot of times, you know, you can, um, get, uh, to the point of extreme negativity or, you know, anger or whatever. And there's been zero of that, um, you know, throughout the entire process. So it's really been, I think it's just really who he is at his core. 
Yeah, you know, we, we talk about accountability and, uh, you know, not a lot of emotion from him one way or the other. But I will tell you that he had a certain look on his face that that you knew that he was not happy about the answer. And, and one of the things that I saw in meetings that just used to piss him off was people not answering the question. You know, he'd say, you know, hey, so-and-so, you know... Um, did this happen? And they'd go, well, you right. know, uh, what you got to know about the situation. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and you could just see him make that look like, <laughs> answer my goddamn question. Sure, yeah. So um, then what he would do is there was like a series of 10 more questions. And if, if that happened, you'd go, eh, that wasn't really good. Mm -hmm. you, you know, he's unhappy about that. Sure. And then later on, you might hear like, oh, well, you know, he was unhappy about sure, that, yeah. that situation that he would tell somebody in private, but, uh, very calm all the time and, uh, cool about, you know, not emotional right. about things at all. Right. And your grandfather, I would, I would say was different than that, that he was always kind of smiling and happy and, uh, maybe he's happy cause he was, you know, retired at that point. Okay. Yeah. But and uh, drinking around the office he, was fine in those days. Could so. have been, could yeah. have been doing that too. And smoking. <laughs> Everybody was smoking and okay. smoking cigars and inside and, didn't matter. Oh yeah. 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 So, um, the good old days. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. In fact, uh, there was a, uh, a, day that we used to have called fun day then that uh, was really just kind of a big drinking day and it's like once a week play, or play golf or twice a week yeah well <laughs> well maybe it was more than that but once a year for sure okay and uh, anyway your grandfather was just more kind of jovial and happy and uh, i he had a good sense of humor not that your dad didn't but you know he he more subtle and and you know far more low key humor than uh, than your grandfather did. And, Got it. And, but your grandfather was very, yeah, he'd just tell you, you know, well, that's stupid. Okay. Or, you know, you know, that doesn't make any sense <laughs> right, or whatever. Right. And, you know, there's this old story that, um, did he, he say stupid? He probably said stupid. Okay. <laughs> he probably said stupid. Okay. I, I, you know, I went to a baseball game with him one time, um, a, um, a raise game and uh, he said a lot of stuff that day actually, <laughs> okay. actually. but okay. you, you know there was uh, one of the retreats that we used to go on that right after we opened Arizona we were took you know Arizona was the first stores for Bell's Outlet uh, mm -hmm. you know after Florida and he just you know he sat there and he went close those stores they're right. terrible they're just you know yeah, they're right. never going to work yeah. and you know, your dad sort of was like, "Oh, you know, just give us give us a little time right. on this." So uh, it's not going to work if we keep shipping uh, flamingos to Arizona. <laughs> but if we can get the assortment yeah, right, then yeah. We're... And I and I think we've almost gotten that down. No flamingos. We're getting like, close. Like as of last week. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's getting getting better for yeah. sure. Yeah, I remember that. That my dad was um, very patient as it related to um, expansion outside of the state. We went to Arizona first for obvious reasons because the markets were similar. Yeah, in right. Remember, my grandfather did not have the patience for that because, I mean, if you think about going back in time to my grandfather's day and his father, my great grandfather's day, with um, taking risk and investing in stores that weren't going to work, it could have meant the end of the company. And and a couple of times it did. You know, yeah. almost it almost got to that point. So, yeah, they were very, very risk averse. And 
I think that's changed with my dad and with me, you know, as it relates to um, trying to take a few more risks to make sure that the um, that we are constantly kind of pushing the envelope, but making sure that we have a safety net as well and that we've got a, yeah. a, a safe financial position that we can uh, have a backstop for. Well, I, you know, I, I think all of us have thought over the years that, you know, we could have had double the stores if we would have gone and gotten leveraged and right. taken out some big loans. But who knows? If we'd it, be here. That would could have been the end of us just yeah. as easily as not. So uh, right. the um, methodical growth was um, was really brilliant, honestly. Yeah. It yeah. made so much more sense. Hence, look at all the other regional retailers and where they are. Right, 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 yeah. right. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> yeah, we've got that, you know, a bit of an example, a bit of an advantage, I guess, coming from the state of Florida because the growth within the state, the, the growth of the state of Florida really since the early 20th century, you know, with the advent, the invention of the air conditioning. Air conditioning, yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. that's and, helped us. And thank God for air conditioning. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, good. Okay. Yeah. What, uh, what else? Um, you know, I, I guess that's kind of the history. Then you've, you've, um, I, you know, I guess there's, there's, um, uh, it's one thing to be on the private investor, private investigator side and, um, you know, uh, having those interactions and those kind of, it can be dangerous interactions and whatnot, but in human resources, I mean, you are, uh, you're, you're constantly hiring, but you're also constantly, you know, filtering out and terminating, um, uh, you know, employees that aren't working out for us. Um, you know, I, I think at one point we realized that we were, too nice of a company, if that's possible. And probably we let people stay around a little bit longer than maybe they should have in some cases. Mm -hmm. And uh, then, you know, it just probably got harder. But uh, having those conversations with people where, you know, you're going to, you're going to separate them are, have never been good no. to have. But, um, you know, I, I think we've done it very respectfully over the years. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't have any specific stories where anything went really bad or anything like that. I mean, there were certainly some protracted conversations with some people that, you know, I don't think this is fair or I don't think this is right. And you, you kind of work through that, but that's, I think that happens anywhere. Sure. Um, and I, you know, in some cases, I think people were surprised they were around as long as they were. And so therefore, you know, it might've been a surprise, although, that's the thing that I think we learn over time is that if people are surprised that uh, they're doing a bad job, then, you right. know, shame on shame on you for the fact that they're surprised. Right, right. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Okay. What's what's the secret of um, surviving uh, in a in a retailer or in a? I guess you know what 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 has made you want to be here for thirty three years? You know, is is a question. And then and then, what how, what what do you um, look at in terms of how you've been able to have such a successful career here? Yeah, I I think that uh, the answer to why I've been here is always the same. People ask me in interviews this question on a weekly basis, and the answer's a one word answer. It's people. Uh, it's the people. I've met some tremendous, tremendous people here um, in the organization, but also, you know, in the periphery of the organization as well through the Retail Federation and through just the town and, you know, just people that you come in contact with, vendors that, you know, have become people that I've known for years and respect and, uh, you know, have had good times with. So, uh, 
you know, coming to Florida from Wisconsin, I just got here, you know, 50 years ahead of everybody else in in some respects. But, uh, you know, Bradenton's a great geography. Um, You know, any time there was ever any thought about, you know, is there something else out there? The calculus for staying here was always better um, on the, you know, on that side of the ledger. So, uh, you know, we're a debt-free company. We're, um, growing, you know, it's good people, it's respectful. And I've heard so many stories over the years about the disrespect that's at other companies. Uh, I worked for two of them that had what I always say is a lot of screamers and yellers and, you know, a lot of politics and, uh, we don't have that. Right. And uh, never really have had it. And that's, I was so um, delighted to find that when I got here in 1990 that, uh, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be around here for a while, Mm -hmm. assuming they'll let me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, here I am. But I I talked to a friend of mine a couple of months ago who kind of called me out of the blue um, I knew him in Chicago and he worked for one of those big retailers up there. And he's like, you've been there for 33 years. He says, you must have reinvented yourself multiple times, uh, in order to, you know, stay with that. So that, that kind of sunk into, you know, you need to reinvent yourself. You need to change, you need to evolve. So that to me would be probably the biggest secret you know, I, I think you got to stick to who you are from a authenticity point of view, mm-hmm. but, but you still can change um, and not be upset about the fact that we're not going to do something the same way that we did it for the last however many years. And that's right. what kind of gets people stuck and angry and unconscious about, I can't handle, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that my cheese got moved. Right. <laughs> Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Reinventing yourself, being open to change, potentially never getting, never, um, if you're open to change, I guess you don't, you don't ever, uh, define yourself to the point where you need reinvention in the first place. You're just kind of going with, uh, and adapting to whatever the newest, um, changes are that are occurring, you know? So yeah, staying authentic and true to yourself is, is a key part of it for sure too. So um, let's, that's a decent segue into the values, maybe, if you want to. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm kind of curious, you know, your your take on the um, more recent changes to the culture, um, just kind of, I wouldn't say the changes to the culture, but, but how the culture has um, evolved, you know, over the last couple of years, and just maybe a... a um, a comment or two on the value specifically and, um, you know, how you see the, um, how you see the culture today versus it's always obviously been a, a good culture, you know, but what's yeah. the difference? Like how, how do, how do you see it, um, being different today versus, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago? Well, I'd, I'd make a, a couple of comments relative to your leadership. You know, we talked about being risk averse. Uh, I mean, I, I think it's a pleasant surprise for all of us that you're willing to take some risks and, you know, not ridiculous or unreasonable risks, but, you know, okay, you know, how, how are we going to grow faster? You know, what are we going to do? Some, some things that we might have changed. So that's, you know, that I think to a lot of us was a very pleasant you know, and quick surprise is like, okay, we're going to move faster, uh, which, you know, maybe over the years we did move too slow because we were, we were risk averse. But, uh, you know, I, I think, um, 
there are times where, you know, accountability is one of the values and, uh, you know, people have, uh, you know, been victims or, you know, blame, you know, was a blame game. So, uh, you know, trying to look at accountability now and make people, uh, you know, look inward and say, okay, well, that's on me. And, and, you know, take, take accountability for what they do is something that I think is better. Um, the whole world's changed from a diversity point of view. Um, you know, <laughs> we had this big promotion right after I got here of, uh, you know, eight or nine people cause we didn't have many officers and they were all white men. Okay. And, uh, you know, that wouldn't happen today. No. Um, first off, because we've got lots of women and other diversity in other positions. So right. even if we were doing that, it would be different. So from a authenticity point of view, uh, you know, I, th I think we've come a long, long way in terms of who we are and, you know, the fact of letting people, uh, be who they want to be. I mean, gee whiz, you know, we were like lunatics about a dress code uh, right. for years and we were lunatics about, you know, we don't want somebody with a tattoo or a piercing or, you know, all, all of those sorts of things. And I'm just using those as examples. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of other uh, things that you could use, but, uh, you know, that evolution has been really, really nice yeah. to, you know, make people a whole lot more comfortable in the culture. Right. And you're uh, not being judged. You can be yourself. Exactly. Right. So, um, I, I always think that and if you're being judged, then the judger is just limiting themselves. And once you understand that, that, that that's the only outcome of judgment, then you can sort of yeah. look at it for what it is and, and make the appropriate changes to the rules. But I, but I feel like sitting in the HR chair, I could have said, well, look, if we're, if we're doing all that, then I'm not in, but mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm all in for it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I think empowerment, uh, one of our other values is something that we always, we always kind of had a little bit. I don't, you know, that to me is not a right, total, right. totally new thing. Uh, we've been a very entrepreneurial company. Sure. Yep. And so, um. We, we tell people all the time and have for years, you can run your own business. Right. Uh, you know, obviously with some, doesn't mean you can go crazy, but, mm -hmm. you know, you can run your own business right. and you can make some decisions. And, you know, there, there should be no fear right. of getting in trouble because generally speaking, that doesn't happen. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Good. Yeah. What are you most excited about for the future? Um, the growth, uh, you know, we've got, um, home centric for instance, and, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, if you look at, uh, bells, you know, we could be in 50 States. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I think under your leadership, you know, there might be other businesses that we, uh, that we have again, that we might not have maybe done under, you know, under other leadership. So, uh, you know, the growth of the company, the sustainability of the company, um, just, you know, um, worrying about the environment a little bit more and, you know, really being a company that, um, you know, we got a line of people that want to come work here, right. You know, the people are going, you know, right. count me in. I want, I want to go to Bell's. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, that's what would make me excited about the future. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Awesome, Dan. It's great to talk to you, man. Any, yeah. anything else uh, that's on your mind that you'd like to leave the audience with today? I don't, you know, um, 33 years, so really, you know, uh, 40 years of working has gone by like that. Yeah. Uh, honest to God, I woke up and all of a sudden it's, holy 
shit, you know. Right. I'm, I'm here 33 years later, but uh, so enjoy every day and um, make it make it worthwhile for all the people around you and for you because you don't know yep. uh, whether you're going to get any more years or not. So, Very true. Um, but it's been great. Awesome. Yeah, it's been great fun, and whatever happens in the future is going to be good too. Love it. Love so, it. Yeah, I appreciate okay. you being on the show, man. All right. Yeah. I enjoyed That's it. Fun. Thanks yes, a lot. Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah. Bye. Awesome.